12th episode of the seventh season of the Tony G Show is here. I'm Tony G, star of the show, what everybody listens for, and that's what we call it. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, Tony. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Did you even ask me how I was doing? I, I kind of. I think you, I did. You did? Okay, I hope so, because otherwise that would have been kind of awkward. I don't know. I was more so laughing at what I said. Cause yeah, I yeah. You're hilarious. I don't want to jinx things, Will. Uh-huh. I, uh, I'm very nervous in saying this and going here. Live on the podcast, too, no less. I mean, don't say it. I, I think I want to. I've already alluded to it. Oh, okay, okay. I am on a roll in the school thing. Oh, boy. I am on a roll. Oh, boy. I just got a paper back that I thought, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be the best grade. I'm going to have to really grind with the, the, with the remaining projects in the class to get mm-hmm. a good grade. I get the paper back, Will, yesterday. Yeah. 97%. There you go. I mean, just bl- I, my jaw hit the floor in the <laughs> library. Like, that was my genuine reaction. Yeah, that's a slippery slope, though. Don't. Uh... Now I can just quit the class and I'll pass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just won't show up again. Also, today I took a quiz before the Tony G show. Mm-hmm. 15 out of 15. Killing it, man. I mean, I'm just on a roll. Mm-hmm. Let's keep this momentum going, huh? Yeah. How are you, Mr. Three Majors? Great. You know, okay. with the school. Get, thing. Getting through. Mm. It's a rough semester. It is. It's all right, though. It is a very busy semester. Yes. I mean, there's just always something going on. Mm-hmm. Speaking of stuff always going on, another Tony G Show interview set to release next week. That'll be the second and final interview of the October series. We were muddling around getting a third interview. Mm-hmm. We just never got the ball rolling on that. No. Only two interviews in the October series, similar to September. Maybe three in November. We already got one uh, lined up. Mm-hmm. Can't release that just yet. But so far, the second and final interview in the October series of interviews of the Tony G Show interviews is Les Maastricht, the libero for the senior libero for the uh, St. Norbert College volleyball team, just surpassed 1,000 career digs. That mm-hmm. is uh, quite the feat. Yeah. I keep saying just surpassed it like she did it yesterday, but couple, she did it a couple weeks ago. I think ago it was now. two weeks ago at this point. But Yeah. Still quite the feat to accomplish, no less. So we are going to interview here soon, and that interview will be released next week. Uh, again, the final series. The final uh, October interview in the October series. As for this show that we have going, 12th episode of the 7th season, we're going to talk NASCAR. We're going to lead things off with NASCAR. You ready, Will? Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep you awake. Yeah, I, let's, I'd like to see it happen. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I do. It's not necessarily like a NASCAR breakdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're getting to the nitty-gritty in their season. Yeah. Only got a couple races left before they uh, figure out who's the, the, the winner, the Sprint Cup champion this year. But it's not so much about that. There's a rivalry within NASCAR, and NASCAR stepped in to defuse the situation, and I'm going to pull that move into question Mm -hmm. in our first segment. The second segment is what's next in the bayou? LSU and Ed Ogeron have agreed to part ways after this season in college football. What's next for those two parties? And then we're going to recap another so-so week in Tony G's Picks of the Week to end the show. Yeah, it's not bad. It's, It's okay. We'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> you got you got to you got to rebound this. Thanks, okay. Will. Didn't know that. Yeah, you fight. Tony G Show. You're listening to the Tony G Show now in its seventh season. Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis five three one two and at Tony G Nation. Also on Instagram at Tony Giordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host, Tony G. There's a fly in Tony G Studios today. It's been in here for quite some time. Well, it's like the third day that this fly is It's like making a point to like land 
like right by us. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna throw me off all day. It is making it a point to get in the way of the focus and concentration of Will McCormick and Tony G on the Tony G show. It's like he's taunting it, you know. If there's one story that you and I have persisting from season to season, mm-hmm. it's overcoming adversity. So like this fly, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really getting in the way. It's really getting to us. Yep. But we fight through, and we're going to bring you another episode of the Tony G Show. A lot of things we could have discussed today that I pushed the topic off till Thursday. I already know two segments of Thursday's show. We could have talked a couple different things. Cardinals releasing Mike Schilt. That's something I mentioned on the last episode. Yadier Molina, catcher, came out and said he didn't expect that move. That surprised him a little more than what he thought. Uh, also, other things going around in the sports world, uh, the whole football thing. Yeah, yeah. You know that sport that's going on right now? Yeah. Also, uh, the NBA season kicks off today. We're in my Bucks apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, Bucks, Nets, we could have talked that and maybe foreseen the season for the Milwaukee Bucks and the NBA, but we are, we are not doing that. We're going to talk 20 G's picks of the week. We're going to talk LSU, and then to start things off here, we're going to talk NASCAR. And this is something that I get a lot of flack from, from Tony G Nation. And if I want to keep, I mean, this fly is right in the way. It is. I mean, it is right here. Like, it could go anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the doors are open in Tony G Studio to just, like, go to that side of the studio. But, no, it's Anyways. right in our face. <laughs> I don't know what to do. We'll fight through. Talking NASCAR today. This is a lost episode already. Talking NASCAR today. And everything I'm about to mention here, the quotes, the storylines, the a, a few of the uh, perspectives that exist in NASCAR come from NASCAR, the NASCAR app, ESPN, the Associated Press, and Sirius XM uh, NASCAR Radio. So those are the sources that will be discussed throughout the length of this argument. NASCAR is in the home stretch uh, towards the Cup Series finale. Well, they only have a handful of races left to determine who is going to win the season. Last year's winner, Kevin Harvick, is in the midst of a brewing rivalry with fellow racer Chase Elliott, who is one of the, the these are two of the better, biggest names in uh, race, in racing today. Two of the most popular racers. Here's how this whole thing went down and how they brewed and came to this rivalry. Chase Elliott uh, wrecked Kevin Harvick at Bristol. Okay, it was, it was like a little, like, like a tap. Mm-hmm. Harvick wrecked. Didn't get to... Uh, the, the finish that he wanted. And then Harvick came back and wrecked Chase Elliott at the Roval 400 going down the stretch of this race. So Kevin Harvick got his payback when Chase Elliott was in a position to try and win this one. And, it, you know, Harvick wrecked Elliott out of redemption. For the sake of context, was that retaliation intentional? Or was it like, was he like, oh, that wasn't on purpose, but it probably was? Or It's one of those things where he's not going to admit it. It's like, a th- it's like if you hit someone in baseball out of retaliation, you're oh. not going to come out and say, I did that on purpose. Yeah. But you're not like, oh, that was completely unintentional. Yeah, right. Like there was definitely some intent to it, wrecking uh, the, uh, Elliot out of redemption. However, Chase Elliott fought through this adversity, just like Will and I are doing with this fly in Tony G Studios. The Roval 400 ended with Chase Elliott in 12th place. So this is a position that he could have very well not have finished mm-hmm. and or, or finished way back, a couple laps from finishing. And he still came through, finished in 12th. That's not the worst thing. Kevin Harvick, he wrecked <laughs> later and fell 11 laps short of finishing, uh, ruining his 2021 Sprint Cup hopes. So there's a whole lot of tension brewing here between these two racers. It's a, a story of redemption. It's a story of revenge. It's a story of 
growing animosity towards one another. And these are two racers that respect each other before this incident have been, as I mentioned, these are two of the more popular racers in racing. Kyle Larson's having a great season. He'll probably end up winning this whole thing anyways. He just won again last Sunday. Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick going at it. Here's what Harvick said after. I'll, I'll give you what these two racers said after this race, where these things boiled over to a point. Harvick said, and I quote, Sometimes life teaches you good lessons. Close quote. So it was intentional. It was, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much. See what I mean? He's not going to say, oh, it was intentional, but he's not going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Chase Elliott came out after Kevin Harvick said this and said, and I quote, just want to wish them, Harvick and his team, a merry offseason and a happy Christmas. Close quote. <laughs> that seems like a very spur of the moment type thing because it doesn't really like go together. Like it's not Christmas season. Like it's not. It feels very backhanded season. to me. It it kind of does. Well, I think it. He definitely was trying to send a message that your season's done. I'm still yeah. in it, so you can wreck me all you want. I still finished in 12th place, and I'm still in the mix for this thing. You're out of it. So have a good off season. And this is something that Chase Elliott. I don't, I don't think he and his party specifically went out and did this, but this was like the type of saying that was starting to be put on T-shirts and starting to, to be oh really uh, sold as like a catchphrase mm. almost. And so this is what kind of boiled NASCAR to step in and defuse this rivalry. They held a, a conference call with both teams, Hendrick Motorsports, who represents uh, Chase Elliott, or, or who Chase Elliott represents and races for, and a conference call with Hendrick Motorsports and Stuart Haas Racing, which is who Kevin Harvick races for. They wanted to settle this beef. They wanted to step in and say, uh, no more of this. We're going down the stretch. We don't want the focus to be off of a potential winner. We don't want the focus to be off of the sport. Uh, we want the focus to be on who's going to win, who's going to be, you know. They, they wanted the focus on the sport for all the right reasons going on the stretch here. And so they wanted to step in and say, your rivalry in this storyline is not going to override things. And we'll talk about what I think, um, and Will can weigh in too, if, if this is good or bad for NASCAR. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, Alan Gustafson, uh, he is Chase Elliott's crew chief on this team uh, for Hendrick Motorsports. He said, and I quote, The message that NASCAR has delivered is they tried to do their best job they could to allow it to happen, and they're over it, close quote. Okay? So he's kind of saying NASCAR said that we're going to let this happen, we're going to let it play out, but we're going to step in and stop it before this gets too big of a thing. He also said, Gustafson, and I quote, I commend them for allowing us to race, but I think they've had enough. They've made that pretty clear, close quote. Here's my problem, Will. Where's your problem, Tony? <laughs> I'll tell you. NASCAR is stepping in and stopping this rivalry, diffusing the situation, and it is just about the worst business move they could make. Yeah, I kind of think it's it weird. The problem for me lies within NASCAR stepping. This is a sport, okay? NASCAR is a sport that was built off of rivalries. I mean, this is what made it popular back mm -hmm. in the 90s, the mid-90s, when Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon were going at it. That's what made the sport popular. People were tuning in for that rivalry because Dale Earnhardt was everything to everybody in racing. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer. The guy was going to go down as one of the best ever. And then Jeff Gordon, this young gun, just kind of shows up and steals the spotlight away, starts winning all these races. And these two start to have beef with each other, start to become rivals, and it becomes great for the sport publicity-wise. A lot of people tuning in, a lot of people paying attention, a lot of people looking around this sport and starting to buy into it. So this is a sport, again, the argument here, this is a sport that has made its popularity from rivalries. 
brewing from rivalries. I mean, it's just a key concept in all of sports. It's yeah. not even just a NASCAR thing. I mean, you look at UFC. I mean, the whole the whole premise of getting people to tune in is, is making sure that they think these two fighters hate each other. Yeah. That's why they true. get to those press conferences and mm-hmm. go like, you know, bunch up their fists right in each other's face and get into each other, and then they start to like. I mean, it's just a given that because the perception has to be that these two guys hate each other. Mm-hmm. These two guys are going to duke it out in this next fight or this next race or this next game, and you have to watch it. That's the whole advertising premise. I think it's pretty actually very true, especially to the Fairweather Absolutely. fan. When it was the McGregor Mayweather fight, they did such a good job just like showing like the beef leading up to that fight that yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm watching this one. That's why McGregor is one of the best known names in fighting. Just because he's good. Because at... he's a great fighter. I mean, he's a good fighter. Yeah, yeah. But he's a great advertiser. He's mm-hmm. a great promoter of his own. Mm-hmm. of his own content. Yeah, I mean, he, he makes just people, is. He makes himself look ridiculous, and it's people like, man, I want to see... They yes. either really like him, or they may like, I really want to watch this guy get beat up. I think it was uh, Poirier where McGregor was coming after his wife or something Whoa. like that. But, like, yeah. that's the whole point of, right. like, McGregor's thing, is he tries to make it seem like he really hates yeah. this guy's guts. And that's what's going to sell tickets. It's that's what's going to get fun to watch. ratings up. Yeah. I mean, that's just the, the that's, case... In all sports. That's what's going to bring in those those Fairweather fans that otherwise really not watched yeah. a pay-per-view fight since then, which was like 2017. Well, here's the thing. All the sports, I mean, at least once a year, Packers-Bears is going to be on primetime TV. Mm-hmm. Once a year, multiple times a year, uh, Yankees-Red Sox are going to be on Sunday Night Baseball, the primetime right. game of the week. It's just going to happen. Once a year, I don't know, Avalanche, Red Wings, and hockey. It's... It's just going to ha- like this is what gets people to tune in is these yeah. rivalries. Sports is basically built upon the idea of rivalries. Like, yes. I, obviously there's just competitive competition for competition's sake, but rivalries are what bring in like it's just different. It's a different atmosphere. Well, with all this being said, this is why I hate NASCAR stepping in. I hate it. It's just a terrible business move. It's just bad. To step in and say, we're going to defuse the situation. We don't want this to get out of control. Why don't you want it to get out of control? You want right. people to watch this sport or not? I mean, this is a generation with increased, I suppose that's exactly what I was n- trying not to say, the opposite, with a incredible decrease in interest in NASCAR racing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am like a diamond in the rough here in Wisconsin. I mean, yeah. like, there is nobody my age that cares about NASCAR. Just nobody. Well, my reaction to even seeing it on the docket yeah. for today, I was like, boy. That's why I joked I had to keep you awake. Yeah. And that's why I encourage, in advertising this, I, I will encourage that people listen to this, not because this isn't like a NASCAR breakdown. You don't have to watch NASCAR to understand this premise. Like, you can get this idea without having to watch NASCAR. Mm-hmm. That NASCAR stepping in is the worst thing for NASCAR. Just terrible. Why would you try to diffuse this situation when, not to mention you're going down the stretch? What if this... What if this rivalry prevails its head again in the last three, four races? Right. To determine who's going to win this. Because they still have races left, right? Yeah, absolutely. Chase Elliott's still in the mix to win. So, and Harvick will still be racing. Yes, Kevin Harvick will still be racing, even though he's not eligible to win the Sprint Cup this year. I don't. He's think... last year's winner. Yeah. But like, there are so many storylines you could roll with. You could tell right. the the. the uh, networks that broadcast this, which at this point in the season, it's NBCSN. You could tell them to go in so many directions with this storyline. Hey, you know, Harvick's last year's winner. Elliot has a chance to be this year's winner. They've wrecked each other. Run with that storyline and get us some ratings. 
But they're just not. They're stepping in and doing the exact opposite. Terrible business move. Just do you, brutal. Do you think it'd be a different story if Harvick was in, like, competition for the Sprint Cup? Everything you're saying, if everything happened like it did, but Kevin Harvick is still in the run. Because then, it, then you can really twist it, you know, into like a. But it, even maybe it could, you know, if you ask that now that you ask that, maybe it could, because uh, you don't want this to be a a thing, and now all of a sudden this is going to wreck Chase Elliott's chance to win. It's racing. This type of competitive thing happens where one person wrecks another unintentionally, and then sometimes it happens. You don't want it to prevail its head again and take out Chase Elliott. But still, I mean, these two guys are going to race whether Harvick's in it or not. So I think stepping in at this point is just just completely shooting yourself in the foot as a sport, as an organization. So then follow-up question to that. Yeah. Do you think this is NASCAR is going to effectively eliminate this this beef? Like, do you think that it's done, or do you think there'll be... Cause like between these two drivers in at, particular? At this, at this point, Harvick's got nothing to lose. Yeah. Like... You know, like, like, why would he not go and wreck him again? I think the answer to that question lies not within NASCAR, but within the quality of the racers. Not necessarily the quality, but the people of the racers, okay? Mm-hmm. You have to think of these guys as people. Because when you watch NASCAR, and this is probably something you have to watch to understand, but I'll, I'll lay it out like this. These racers are good people. I mean, they're just good dudes. Oh, yeah. I'm they not, have a yeah. lot of respect for each other off the track. They spend time with each other. They have a lot of respect for each other's teams. And they all get what they're trying to do. They understand the competitive nature of this. So come next season, come Daytona in February, this will probably be nothing. But But why not still give yourself the opportunity to have this play out for the next couple of races and then tell Fox, who broadcasts NASCAR races at the start of the season in Daytona, run with this storyline. Is this Elliott-Harvick rivalry going to prevail its head again? Well, yeah, and I guess that's what I'm wondering. It's just handicapping yourself. Yeah, if that's... Basically, I wonder if NASCAR's actions are going to have any effect on their attitude towards each other. I agree. Yeah, you know, like that—that's going to be interesting to see how the plays or the the races actually formulate. I think, you know, like I said, these guys have a lot of respect for each other. But I think once this season kind of blows over, Kyle Larson's probably going to win. <laughs> He's leading the point standings by like a mile, and he just, like I said, won again on Sunday. That's like his. 15th win this year i mean like he's won just about everything yeah so the the way things are going kyle larson who by the way who was i think cut from his team and was suspended maybe from his team for using a race racial slur in oh yeah uh, covid you remember that yeah yeah the virtual race yeah when they did the virtual race and he dropped a a bad word yeah (laughs) on a live stream of himself and that bad word wasn't just like a bad word, a curse word. It, it was, was like it was a racial slur. Yeah. And it was an obvious one too. So he had to come out and say he was sorry and pay his dues. And now here he is. Everyone's kind of let that slip past. And I, mm, I mean, rightfully, th- this is a country of second chances. So I mean, with certain things like a John Gruden thing, he probably won't ever coach again. But in some cases, you know, maybe it's the best thing to f- forgive and always Time. hold that close. Yeah. Cause, you know, he he's. Mm. I didn't know that. Seemed pretty sincere, but. Um, I'm recalling this correctly, right? Kyle Larson is this is the one who I think so. I don't really remember. To be I honest. think it was. I remember it happening. I just don't remember the. Yeah. You want? Can you do some research for no. that while I uh, wrap up this argument? But nonetheless, the up and down career of Kyle Larson to prevail this way, I think that's quite a, a tip of the cap to him for prevailing through all of it, for paying his dues in society, doing what he had to do, and still finding a way to become. 
one of the better racers in NASCAR. I mean, this is a guy who's running away with the Sprint Cup standings with the last three, four races to go. Three races left after Sunday. I have it here in my notes. Phoenix Raceway will end things on November 7th. And it's it, Kyle Larson is, of course, <laughs> at the top of things. He is uh, running away with the standings. It's quite interesting to me how NASCAR is boiling down to it. That was the one, right? Kyle Larson yeah, was the one. Yeah, it yeah, was. yeah, okay. That's what I thought. I, I remember that name very for, for that reason. And of course, there we go. That is another I didn't have that we didn't have this planned in the notes or anything, but this is another great direction. After COVID and after you couldn't race for a couple months, I mean there was a couple months month period where you couldn't have races. You had to do it all virtually. All the races are at home, live, live streaming themselves. I didn't watch that. I don't care for that. I want to see them get in the car and fire the thing up and race. Mm-hmm. And so COVID snuffed that out. So you lost a lot of ratings, a lot of viewers, a lot of audience ship for that reason. This is another great opportunity to just bolster your ratings, bolster your fan base after, that, after what it could have been after COVID because it just hurt that. So this is another chance to try and rebound from an unforeseen predicament that you find yourself in it's just it's just yeah. a complete botched situation from nascar i don't a chance see... to really get some traction with fans in this generation and maybe people have different perspectives on this but i don't see how nascar wins in this scenario I, like what what yeah. does it hurt in having a second story along with your winner exactly i don't yeah i, I don't i don't see and maybe there is a scenario where this pulls a lot of viewership from Kyle Larson's victory, you know, future victory, potential yeah. victory, but I just don't understand like why having this side the side story is such a uh, I don't know. That's maybe interesting. I, like that's the only thing I can think of right now, Will, is that maybe NASCAR is thinking that this last race of the season, what did I say it was Phoenix? I know it was Phoenix. Yeah, yes. Phoenix Raceway will end things November 7th. I know that maybe NASCAR is stepping in to say if something boils over and something happens here, they don't want everybody to be talking about Harvick and uh, Elliott on this November 7th race in Phoenix. They mm-hmm. want it to be on the winner. Presumably, in this case, going to be Kyle Larson. He is leading the way with over 4,100 points, and Ryan Blaney's behind him with just over 4,000. So a solid 200, <laughs> almost 200-point lead. It's more like a 150 type of lead. But still, eight wins this season, Kyle Larson having an incredible year. Uh, of course, Chase Elliott's fifth in the rankings, important to mention. Just over forty, uh, just over four thousand points as well. Two wins this season. Kevin Harvick now out of things. No wins this season. Surprising for last year's winner. And then Mike, I just have to mention this name. My guy Matt Benedetto, seven hundred thirteen points. No longer in the running for the. Mm. I don't think he even made the cut for the playoffs. No wins this season. He's going to be a free agent next year. Mm. Not not racing with Wood Brothers Racing. Got to give the best to my boy uh, Matt Benedetto. So either way, we'll wrap up this argument. We'll get to uh, Will's. Will's uh, more favorable subjects of college football here coming up in a all second. Right, it's all good. But I'm glad I kept you awake for this. Hey, Will. Yeah, yeah. Wake up. And uh, no, nonetheless, in all seriousness, this is a bad business move from NASCAR. It's just overall a botch of handling this situation. So many different ways you could have used this to bolster yourself as a more popular sport than you are. And it's just a way that you're not doing it. It's you, you are completely letting it slip past you. You are stepping in. And it's almost like the no-fun league type of deal that's going mm-hmm. on in the NFL right now. Let these guys race it out. Let them settle it. Yeah. They're grown men. They're professional racers. They can settle this. You don't have to step in as NASCAR and say, you're going to have to stop doing this to each other. I, I, like, I want to see a big wreck. 
Yeah, most most <laughs> people do. Most common fans tune in for that. Yeah. Even if it's not like a big wreck. I mean, to just kind of see these guys go at it. Because there's yeah. going to be a, a, a... There's three races left. At one point throughout some of these three races, these two races are going to be right next to each other, and the camera will be on them until the next pit stop or until something happens. I mean, that's just going to be the case. Mm-hmm. So you stepping in maybe does something in theory, but if these two races are next to each other again, and let's say maybe they're both out of the running which I don't think Chase Elliott will be fifth place. I mean, he's doing pretty well this year. Let's say something happens of that nature. Hey, I mean, something may boil over if these guys aren't in the running anymore, and you can't control that. Something this discussion like reminded me of, it's so random, but do you ever play those NASCAR games back in the day? Like, Yeah, I played one, yeah. Okay, one? It was like NASCAR or something. Or okay, whatever. did you ever, like, <laughs> I'd always turn around and drive the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> I just... That is the I most don't Will know. McCormick thing I've ever heard. I don't know why, but I drive the opposite direction and caused the biggest wreck I could in the game. <laughs> that would be an immediate black flag. Oh, yeah. I was I was going like 200 miles an hour in the opposite <laughs> direction. They were going 200 miles head on. Yeah, it was... I don't well, know why. I just remember... Like, I, that, I had a total... Just nostalgia. Like, oh, yeah. It was great. Just I was a flashback. Just like, yeah. Okay. A mid-show flashback. Maybe I want to buy an NASCAR race game and just do that. Yeah, we should. A lot of people do that. Now we're getting all nerdy with the video game thing, but we'll only talk about it for 30 seconds or so here. I know uh, one of my favorite things to do when I had time to play video games was uh, in Grand Theft Auto, the game. Grand Theft oh, Auto yeah, Fly. yeah. There's a Grand Theft Auto Online, GTA Online. You can race like other people online. And something that other people will do is like <laughs> turn around and come at you if it's like a lapped race and it's like dude get out of the way yeah that was like me except that was like the computer was thinking that to me i just like going like yeah yeah the computer the cpu was thinking this guy yeah God, why couldn't we be bought by someone who actually wants to race it'd be like race starts i'd be immediately stop and just turn around <laughs> that sounds like the most will mccormick thing ever Ugh. i'm surprised you didn't try that with golf when we were doing the golf updates why didn't we do that <laughs> oh everybody watching yeah. <laughs> right as someone teeing off on the hold it like we just played. Where does golf ball come from? That's just Will McCormick getting in the way. That'll conclude our NASCAR discussion. Good discussion we had. Mm-hmm. See, it wasn't so bad. No. It wasn't so bad. That was fun. You don't have to you didn't have to know NASCAR to understand that premise. So I'm glad we had that discussion. Thank you, Tony G Nation, for tuning in. Now a little bit more of a popular subject. College football. Ed Ogeron, a now former national champion head coach, is out at LSU. Not currently, but at the end of the season, LSU, Louisiana State University, and Ed Ogeron agreed to part ways following this college football season. I'm going to give you where I could see the two going from here. You ready for this, Will? Big segment coming up. A couple of predictions coming. LSU buys out Ed Ogeron at the end of the season. LSU will pay the over $17 million remaining on the contract of Ed Ogeron. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Whoa. I mean, and this isn't like a team. This isn't like a billion-dollar organization. Wow. This is a college. This is a school paying $17 million just, to I, a new football coach. I guess I can understand that much money being in football, but at the collegiate level, that just seems ridiculous. Yes. Yep. And there's Anyways. this whole discussion. This is a side note, but it's worth mentioning, too. That And this is another one of those topics that I mentioned we could be discussing on the Tony G Show. Major League Baseball came out and told teams to start providing more habitable housing for their minor league players because they just get paid Mm -hmm. dirt to play minor league baseball. And so they can't provide housing for themselves, let alone food on occasion. So they're telling 
there's this whole discussion about increasing the living conditions of minor league baseball players, which still has a mile to go, still a long way to go to ensure that the living conditions of minor league baseball players are somewhat normal. I mean, they don't even get paid twenty thousand dollars a year to play that. I mean, so, let's do a segment on that. I think we show. should. We I, have. I would. I want to talk about that. We have the first segment open next Thursday, so maybe we could dive into that. I'd maybe like to talk about that. Anyways. Either way, it, it, it the the money ties into it that there's a lot of money floating around in Major League Baseball that they're not supplementing the minor league. It's just. It's just interesting to see how that all unfolds. To tie this back into the Ed Olgeron thing, $19 million floating around. 17. 17, excuse me, $17 million floating around at LSU to get rid of their old head coach. This isn't even to get a new head coach. This isn't even a contract. for. They're paying $17 million to get rid of their current head coach. $17 million. Okay. Oregon in Ed Olgeron's time at LSU. Excuse me, I wrote Oregon. It's Olgeron. <laughs> Oregon's time at LSU. Wait a minute. What is he talking about? Ogeron's time at LSU, 49 and 17. Quite the impressive record. 13 and 5 versus top 10 teams since 2016. Uh, the beginning of Ed Ogeron's tenure in LSU. Won the 2019 National Championship, the perfect season that did that. That really increased the stock of Ed Ogeron mm-hmm. big time. This is a guy who went 10-25 and 25 as a head coach at Ole Miss from 2005 to 2007. Not the most impressive run. This was a guy who worked his way from being a positions coach to being a coordinator coach to being a head coach and then ultimately a national champion head coach. So this is a guy who's had to work hard to make his name. Here's the future. Being a head coach uh, is not his strong suit. I don't think, that, with all that being said, him working his way to being a head coach at an organization, I don't think it's his strong suit. Especially, especially the way the game is is changing too. Right. You know the, the direction it's going. It's more analytical. It's more innovative. And Ed Ogeron is not an innovative guy. He's not an analytical guy. He's more of a motivational guy. He uses his starch voice to pump mm-hmm. up his players, and he's he's a man who doesn't usually like dance. But like he'll dance. Like to get literally his team dance. Like he's just like yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally yeah. dance. Like he use he dances to get his team. That's just an example of something that he would do because he's a motivational guy. Mm-hmm. He's more of like the old fashioned X's and O's guy. He is. He's not the analytical, you know, play the numbers type of guy. He's just it's just not who he is, and that's what football is today, as uh, Will mentioned to his point. Off field issues as well. Uh, uh, Surround Ed Ogeron. I don't want to dive too deep into this because I don't want to bring his character in question. Mm -hmm. But it's just a fact of the matter to bring into the discussion that he has had off-field issues. He's now divorced, I believe. Or at least he was working towards a divorce the last time I heard. What were the the specifics of that scenario again? I can't remember. It was something kind of... They've been married for, I think, two decades. Have kids. Hmm. I don't know the exact... So it wasn't any... Okay. I couldn't really remember what... I remember talking about it, but... I think something came out, Will, that... After this divorce has been filed and, and settled, I don't know if it indeed has been, there was something that came out that he might have been hitting on someone uh, near him, close to him. I don't think it was anything inappropriate. I don't think it was graphic pictures or any like Brett Favre thing in 2008. Right. But it was something where he was texting someone that he wasn't supposed to. I don't know the whole stipulations around it. But there were off-field issues going on around Ed Ogeron. Again, not to bring his character in question. I'm not questioning him as a man. It's just fact of the matter mm-hmm. that is worth bringing up in yeah. this discussion. So what's the future of Ed Ogeron? All this uh, being laid out at this table, 
Ed Ogeron, the open positions that could possibly he could possibly land at. USC, that's an open head coaching position that a lot of people are looking at, interested to see what uh, the University of Southern California is going to do there with their football team. So that's a possibility. Washington State, listen to this story, Will. You ready for this one? Washington State uh, is also another open head coaching position that could fit for Ed Ogeron. It doesn't fit like LSU. Ed Ogeron just reeks of LSU and the Bayou and Mm -hmm. uh, his, his, what's the word I'm looking for? His uh, voice. His His style? No. Accent. (laughs) His accent. His, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vo- I mean, he just... Sorry, I, mean, I thought you meant like his coaching style. I, I get that's what you're okay. Yeah, you're fired. Uh, <laughs> Ed Orgeron just reeks of Louisiana on the bayou. I mean, he's just that southern type of guy. So he doesn't really fit in the west coast of a USC or a Washington... So he just doesn't fit at like a Washington University... Washington State, excuse me, Washington State like this. But listen to this story. Washington State is open. This is just another side note that's worth mentioning because I'm going to bring up these names again in a second. Nick Rolovich, the head coach at Washington State... He is out at Washington State as the, as the head football coach yeah. after not complying with the vaccine mandate of the state of Washington. He's going to miss out on $10 million on his contract. <laughs> Will. Ten, I mean, we said the $17 million was like, wow. What an idiot. But $10 million, I mean, uh, you know, okay, maybe. You know, whatever. I don't know. That's such a touchy subject. I don't. To me, it's a no-brainer, but I can understand how other people Exactly. Like, it. to you and me, and this was a case I... Um, this is my personal thought on it is it's, you know, good for him for taking a stand. It's what he believes and it's right. what he's going to abide by and all the power to him. Right. But is it worth $10 million? Yeah, that's not? a good, that's right. That's, it's interesting. We're starting to see literally numbers being put. Anyways, I digress. $10 million. Yeah. Wow. That is a lot of money. I mean, well, I'd get a couple shots for $10 million. Yeah, I would <laughs> too. pay my college and I'd then get some. 40 of them. Wow. That is incredible, but again, all the credit to him. He, it's what he believes in. It's what he abides by, and so that's what he's going to go with. Point here being that that head coaching position at Washington State, which to me has potential to be a top 25 team in the country, is now open. Is now open. Tony G says, you ready for this, Will? Uh, nothing, really, because Ed Olgeron uh, says he plans on taking time off from coaching. That, again, is from ESPN. Uh, but after, it's hard to say. I mean, who knows how much time he's going to be taking off. Maybe he's trying to settle this divorce. Maybe he's trying to get his life back on track. Again, not bringing into question his character, but it's worth mentioning. Maybe this is something he wants to iron out before he gets back into coaching. Reasonable, understandable. And for when he decides to get back into coaching, I just don't know what's going to be open. I don't know where, what's going to be interested in him. He's a Southern guy, so he'll probably stay there in South Carolina, maybe. Maybe be a coordinator under Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with you, with Ed Olgeron. You think he's sticking strictly to college? You don't think he'd have a chance? I, not, I mean, I'm not saying head coach at the NFL level, but right. do you think you could have a spot? Just I mean, a hypothetical Offensive there. coordinator something? I don't. No? I don't. I think the 10 of 25 at Ole Miss really hurts him. And yeah. granted, that was 15 years ago. He could have evolved as a coach. I mean, he won a national championship. Still. But Will, he had a lot of talent to do it. Yeah. He had a lot of talent at uh, I mean, LSU. Yeah, that's no question. You not, look at... Um, Joe Burrow, the Heisman. Yeah, yeah. Not to who's that. who's uh, Jacksonville's coach? I'm like Urban, oh, Urban Meyer. Meyer. Yeah. I mean, uber successful in college, but that doesn't necessarily translate. And I just, Exa- yeah. you know, that's, that's just true. something I was wondering. Oh, it's a good he, hypothetical to bring yeah. up. Because it's, it's yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. It's weird to say uh, that Tony G says is kind of up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen. He's going to take some time off to maybe mm-hmm. focus on his personal life and then get back into coaching. It's hard to say what will be open at that time. 
As for LSU, the school, lots of speculation around guys like James Franklin, head coach at Penn State, uh, even Jimbo Fisher, the head coach at Texas A&M, Lane Kiffin, who is now, by the way, at Ole Miss, uh, the the former coach of uh, the former team of Ed Ogeron, mm-hmm. uh, not only yeah, uh, Mississippi is where Lane Kiffin is at. Either way, point being here that. These are guys I don't really see leaving their positions. James Franklin, I think, is the most likely out of these names because he's a guy that maybe Penn State is starting to... We brought in the question, we talked about this on the Tony G Show just a a few episodes ago, that James Franklin is a good head coach, brought Penn State back from the ashes after the Joe Paternal, Jerry Sandusky thing, brought them back to being a top team in the country, resurrected that, uh, that football team in that school on the map. But there's this running theme where Penn State is always like a top 10 team in the country, but then always have that one loss that they could easily win, and mm-hmm. it just ruins their playoff hopes. Happens year after year. So maybe this is something where James Franklin's going to be out at Penn State, but if that doesn't happen, I don't see James Franklin. He loves Penn State. He loves what he's done there, and Penn State loves him. I, th- I don't think that the and it's still a successful football program. Right. One, two losses a year doesn't take that away. No. But it's still, to me, James Franklin is Penn State. He will stay there. And really, you think he'll stay? I do. I, LSU is, it's, it's above it. Penn State. Even like Jimbo Fisher, he's, like the argument I'm trying to make against you here was that Jimbo Fisher is like Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. He said he loves Texas A&M, yeah. he loves College Station. Right. Lane Kiffin is probably another likely name. He did this with Tennessee, left for USC. He's been all over the map. He's a guy who's been known to like not hold a, fo- a football job for like more than three years. But he's a good football coach. I don't see him uh, fitting in at LSU. There were... One thing that I kind of want to put to rest, or at least give my two cents on, I okay. was doing some reading, and people were kind of calling for John Gruden to be oh, okay. potential head coach of LSU, and I give that about a 0% chance. <laughs> I also don't think so. I don't see that happening at all. I don't see how players could get behind somebody like that. No. Yep. I don't see how he could gain trust like that again. I just don't see that being an option for LSU going down the road. I mean, I could see it. I really don't want to see it happen. Sure. I really don't want to see I it I don't happen. think that's likely either. And I don't think it's likely, but... It's one thing. Like, I don't think it's likely overall. I want to, see, I want to get that out. But it's one thing if, like, this is a job opening in 10 years and John Gruden's like, you know, maybe I'll interview, see if yeah. society's forgiven me. And then... But, like, the timing of this, it's yeah, just it's not... Too, it's not it, it won't work. No, it's not going to happen. I just don't see how players could get behind somebody like that. I really don't see it happening. Agreed. Agreed. Here's what Tony G says. This is an interesting pick. I got credit for this when I, uh, when I told uh, a close source to the Tony G show this. Mm-hmm. I told him, I think, Tony G says, the next head coach for Louisiana State University, the LSU Tigers, is going to be Mario Cristobal, the head coach at Oregon. And this is why I, <laughs> this is why I called uh, Ed Ogeron, Ed Oregon, earlier yeah. in the segment. I think Mario Cristobal is going to be a great fit at LSU when he gets there. Back-to-back Pac-12 championships with Oregon. Has them off to a 5-1 and one start this season. Got to be bowl eligible once again. They beat uh, Ohio State, who was then ranked number two back in September. September 11th is when they got that win. Have, the, have had the one loss since, and that was an overtime loss on the road. Stanford, tough loss. I mean, without that loss, they'd be 6-0, and top four team in the country right now. So they're ranked number 10 currently because of that one loss. To me, for Mario Cristobal, he's done a great job at Oregon. He's really proven himself as a valid college head coach. This is a chance for him to get out of Pac-12 and get to the SEC. You know what I mean? This is a chance Mm -hmm. to get out of 
the minors and get to the majors. And it's still a pa- it's still a top five. Uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking the phrase here? It's still a power five school. Yeah, the power five conferences, Big Ten, Pac twelve. You know, Pac twelve is one of them. It's a chance to go from power five school to power five school, conference to conference. Mm-hmm. But in the scope of the power five schools, it's like SEC, Big Ten, and then Pac twelve is more towards the bottom. Yeah, it. Oregon Big Twelve to me is Oregon, like it's like fourth out of those five. Yeah, they're you know, like a like, good. It's like the bottom. They're a good organization, but you, I, they're kind of. I, I don't know. I feel the like LSU and Oregon are kind of similar, but yeah. LSU might have the edge. Correct. Yeah. Just with the most recent national championship, obviously that's not. It's under at Ogeron, but still yes. they're yep. they have that notoriety more so than Oregon or Oregon used to have. I always say Oregon, and I'm pretty sure it's. Oregon. I say either. Roll it. Anyways. <laughs> point point being though, to me, just in scope, I get it. They're both back. They're both uh, power five schools. But this is a chance to get out of AAA and get to the majors. You know what I mean? Like, this mm. is a chance to bump up. Every you dream of being a, a, a college coach. Say you, you want to be a college coach, and then you're a good college coach at like the D two D three level. Then you get a D one job, and you get a D one head coaching job. Then you get a power five coaching job, and then eventually you're like, I want something more than this. And this is a chance to go to Pac-12 to SEC. So you're kind of to roll with the big dogs. You're kind of throwing shade at Oregon, essentially. You're, you're the conference. You better, you better, you better hope that there's no yeah, Pac-12 sure. fan, uh, fans. Listening, <laughs> yeah, sure. Our listenership on the West Coast. Uh, you, it Oregon. just tanked. <laughs> <laughs> Gone. I'm not ragging on them though. No. I mean, this is a chance to. You're bump just saying up, they're though. worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a chance to bump up. It's a chance to get out of the hot and dry summers of Oregon. And get to the mild winters, the warm summers of Louisiana. Get down south. Get where, you know, the, it's a party town. Get it's a bigger place. There's more teams there. It's more popular. It's a chance to get out of Oregon and go to Louisiana. It's nothing against Oregon. It's just Louisiana. It's LSU. Mm. Also, LSU is going to be looking for proven coaching talent. This isn't someone where they're going to get a coordinator. Yeah, they want a proven head coach, and Mario Cristobal is the right option. So I he couldn't. I couldn't apply. Essentially, <laughs> no. Will McGormick is not going to be the next head coach of LSU. That's going to be Mario Cristobal. And here's another argument I want to bring in, just to, just to kind of wrap this up and relay what LSU didn't have with Ed Ogeron and what they would have with a Mario Cristobal. You know how we mentioned that Ed Ogeron's this old-fashioned X's and O's guy, not so much analytical or innovative. Kind of relies on the talent of his team, which means he's. Uh, a, a good recruiter, and LSU mm-hmm. is a great school to be uh, recruiting college football talent at that level. They want someone in Mario Cristobal where they don't have to recruit at an unconscious level. You know what I mean? Like they, they want talent, of course. They want a good recruiter, but they want someone who is like a good coach. Right. Like a good head coach. Someone who would fit the bill of a head coaching position, can oversee the entire team. Well, they don't want to rely on somebody who... Is strict like their season is strictly dependent upon yeah. how good they recruit. They want somebody who can recruit well, but then if they don't really have that talent there, they have the strategy to to override that talent. Yeah, talent lacking. Talent. Exactly, you get the gist. So it's interesting to see how this will play out for LSU. Uh, I think they're going to go Mario Cristobal. Ed Ogeron's going to be out of football for some time. Per him, he said that. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes after this as well. We've had a good episode so far. Yeah. It's about to become a little, little average. 
Yes, and we're about, we're about to switch it back to average because Tony G had a 3-3 three and three week in Tony G's Picks of the Week. New set coming on Thursday, but last Thursday's to recap. Off to a good start. Buccaneers, Eagles. I said Bucks were going to win. 28-22 wasn't the most solid win that I thought the Bucks were going to have, but they won no less. Of course, well, this 8-30 game trips me up just about I every know. time. I don't know if I've ever won an 8-30 game. I don't know if you have. At least the last two weeks you haven't, though. Dolphins 1-4 at Jaguars 0-5. This was a game, you know, in, in coming up with this, Will, I said maybe this is a game that the Jaguars might knock off and get their first win of the season. It's, they're playing a 1-4 team. They're not playing the 4-1 Buccaneers. Right. I can see Jacksonville winning this. And I still, I said this, don't overthink this one. I said it right on the podcast. I had it on my note sheet. Don't overthink this one. Just go Dolphins. So I did. Last second field goal, Jaguars win 23-20. <laughs> really? So now we can't make fun of their unsatisfied with 1-0 <laughs> yeah. tweet now. Yes. Back-to-back 1-15 season for Jacksonville, probably. Chargers 4-1, Ravens 4-1. This was a good game Sunday noon slot. I said Chargers were going to win. Boy, did they not. 34-6, <laughs> the Ravens won. I mean, what happened? Yeah, they, like, fell off. You know what, though? I mean... Well, this is a Chargers team that gave up over 40 points last week. Right. So now they've given up just about 34 points. And then some for the last two weeks. Sometimes, defense? sometimes you need a tune-up game like that, so we'll see what happens. We, we've been saying that a lot this episode. We'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know, man. I, number one offense in the Ravens, and boy, did they show it. They got the win, proved me wrong. Sitting at one and two in Tony G's picks of the week. I got a chance to finish, though. One and two through the first three. I got three more coming. Sunday, is this a Sunday? A Sunday afternoon game, Cardinals 5-0, and Browns 3-2. and I said Cardinals were going to get the win, and they did. 37-14, mm-hmm. Baker got hurt. Browns never really came close in that game, and they were favored in that game. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's, that's when, we, that's when we were like, how does that even make sense? Yeah. Cardinals 6-0. and or, uh, uh, Yeah, they're, they're for real. We should put money on that. Should we? We should have. Should have. Okay. Seahawks 2-3. Steelers 2-3. and three. This is Sunday Night Football. I said, no Russell Wilson. Worst defense in the league, Seattle. I said, Steelers are going to get the win. They did. 23-20 in overtime. Controversial ending to regulation. Uh, according to Mike Tomlin, but Steelers got the win no less. Got a chance for a clean sweep. Monday Night Football, Bills, Titans. I say Bills 27-21. No, Titans got the win 34-31. Just out of spite to me. I finished the week 3-3, three and three, moved to 14-18 and 18 on the season. Do you, uh, by Suck? chance, do yes. you play? No. <laughs> do you play fantasy by chance? I do. Yeah. You do? How are you doing? It's, I'm in four leagues. Okay. You're in four? I'm in four. I did not intend to be in four. Okay. Well, so I just wanted I, to boast a little bit because I, I'm in one this year, and I'm currently 5-0. and oh. Really? So, yep. That's quite impressive. Yep. So, so you essentially just asked me if I was in fantasy football, so I could ask you if you Sorry. were in fantasy Sorry. Sorry, 6-0 oh now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I just wanted no, to – well, I was going to talk about – because I got, I got Derrick Henry on my team, so, you know, yeah. solid uh, 35 points <laughs> last night. So yeah, quite the – I'm sorry I had to do it to you, but – you know, well, you get cocky now, but let me tell you this. I'm going to lose next week for sure. I started 6-0 and last year in one of my leagues with my with the friends back home. Yeah. I lost just about every game since then. I probably will now that I mentioned it and I put it out there. I'm probably <laughs> going to lose next week, and then somebody big like, yeah, Derek Henry will, I, no, actually, I'm not going to say that, but something <laughs> will happen to my, my roster, and it's going to really suck. Well... It's not like you just said it to me in passing in pre-show, like, hey, I'm 6-0 oh, this. this so no, far I had to show. announce it. You had to announce it on the podcast. I mean, let's ho- let's hopefully this acknowledging it kind of like reverses that yeah. effect. 
I doubt it. <laughs> well, that'll just about do it for the Tony G Show. Will is six and zero. Oh, we'll never lose again in fantasy. If that's the case, then maybe I should start doing DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should start earning money for this. Uh, all right. Well, I suppose that'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Bye. They keep you awake. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Well, we'll see you Thursday, I yeah, guess. Thursday, and then we got uh, interview Friday. Should be fun. Yeah, we got a whole a whole big thing coming up with the Tony G Show. Can't wait. Stay tuned. We're we're really doing some great work so far this season. Uh, hopefully, this fly is out of here by Thursday. I hope so. It was flying around. We you I don't forgot know where about it, went. it, Tony G Nation, but it was here. It was sitting on my mic stand for a while. <laughs> it was, it was like on right the back. Here. It's on the back of your computer now. Is it? It's right on the back of your <sighs> computer, and you don't even see it. No, it's still there. Whatever. Whatever. Just the. <laughs> did he fly right at you? I think he did. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I've never had to deal. Or under attack. I mean, it's one. It's like just right on the cusp of my focus. See, there it is. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right. All right. All right. We'll try to do better for Thursday. Hopefully, let's get this fly out of here. We'll have a, we'll have a guest appearance with the fly. <laughs> get him a microphone already. <laughs> All right. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. This is the Tony G Show. Thanks for listening to The Tony G Show. Support the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 